This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Middle East Report studio in Washington, D.C. Check out our website, districtsentinel.com. We do not have a newscast today, but instead we are uh, bringing back on a friend of the show, soon to be regular of the show, perhaps, talking about... I hope so. <laughs> You're just jumping you, I in. I better be. Just Basically already a regular yeah. by virtue of already regularly... Already interrupting Sam Sack, so that, that makes me a, a regular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chip Gibbons uh, with Defending Rights and Dissent. Chip is the Legislative Council, Policy and Legislative Council at the organization. Also has bylines at Jacobin Magazine, The Nation, and Truth Out. Welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to be on. Uh, maybe we're, we're experimenting with names here, calling this Chip Chat. Not sure yet if uh, the audience has any suggestions. Send them along. People but, seem to like Chip Chat. I don't know why, but it, it's people seem to like it. How could you hate two words like Chip Chat? It's a great. It I, sounds great. I can hate anything. You know that's 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 why I'm on the show. Is I'm, I'm very good at hating things. But um, normal people seem to be just fine with the title. So I think that's a that's a plus. All right, we'll go with it until people say otherwise. All right, Chip, we had you on uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, to talk about the uh, ongoing imprisonment of Chelsea Manning. Yes. And we discussed the possibility that uh, Assange could soon face prosecution here in the United States. Uh, I, I don't know if any of us thought that it would happen so fast after we recorded that interview, but since then, uh, we have had British authorities with the permission of Ecuador's president, Lenin Moreno, uh, storm the embassy in London, arrest Julian Assange, and he they, uh, they revealed this is part of uh, an extradition warrant for Assange, and since then the Department of Justice has released an actual indictment against Assange. You've had a chance to look over this indictment. Uh, I have. Where where do things stand? How how much of this? How much of a threat is this to press freedoms and well, what we do? I, I, I think it's unquestionably a threat to press freedoms. A lot of people were worried that Assange would be published on the face, I'm sorry, not published, punished on the face of the indictment for publishing information, um, particularly under the Espionage Act, which if you actually read the letter of the Espionage Act, it would be possible to punish a uh, news media outlet for publishing information, but everyone has always assumed that that is unconstitutional. Um, the Trump Depart the Trump Justice Department did not go that direction. Um, there's a number of reasons why they might not have done so, including the political offense exception in international extradition law. Um, so there's a, a number of people who are like, oh, well, if the Trump Depart Justice Department says it's not about press freedom, you know, no press freedom threat here. But um, you know, if Julian Assange had not revealed the crimes of the U.S. Empire, such as the collateral murder video, such as the, you know, casualty counts in the Iraq war log, you know, no one, no one would be coming after him right now. So whatever is on the face of the indictment, it is a retaliation against someone who has exposed 
misconduct and criminal activity by the U.S. government. In terms of the actual charge, he's being charged with conspiracy to commit computer intrusion. Uh, he allegedly conspired with Chelsea Manning to try to crack a password on a DOD computer. And it's important to break that down because there has been a um, enormous amount of media malpractice uh, and reporting on what's actually in the indictment. I caught um, several CNN segments, several MSNBC segments, even a local Baltimore news segment over the weekend about the Assange indictment. And, and the reporting on what's actually going on is shockingly uh, filled with disinformation. So you hear this story that he tried to hack a DOD computer, and that's not what the indictment says. The indictment says that Chelsea Manning, and these are all allegations by the Department of Justice, I would not treat them as fact, I treat them as allegations, um, had a password, tried to give him a pass, gave him a password to another account for him to try to crack that password. And if you read the indictment, why they wanted to do this was not to hack into the computer and get documents they didn't have access to, but to get documents that Manning already had access to. Um, but from a different username, therefore making it uh, much difficult, much more difficult to track the source of that um, of that leak. Um, and that, that's what they're alleging. I mean, once again, I want to stress this is an indictment. As we know, a prosecutor in the United States can indict a ham sandwich. But, um, you know, even compared to what's actually in the indictment versus the way many media outlets are treating what's in the indictment, there's a, there's a, shocking, there's a shocking gap. Um, and there's some other concerns about this indictment that a number of groups like the Knight First Amendment Foundation, various free press groups have pointed out, but the various elements of the conspiracy, a lot of them cover, you know, traditional news gathering. They allege that Assange talked to Chelsea Manning in a chat room. They allege that he, you know, encouraged her to bring him more information, which is not uncommon. Um, but yet, in spite of, you know, a number of press freedom groups, you know, not necessarily far left ones or, or ones that are out there, but fairly mainstream ones being like, you know, the elements of the conspiracy, you know, absent the cracking of the password, these are, these are standard news gathering techniques. This is kind of disturbing. Uh, the media has just really done a very lackluster job in, in reporting on what's going on here. Yeah. And I mean, why do you think, and you obviously can't read the mind of the Department of Justice, but why do you think they would even, it's obvious, and maybe they assume the media would not do their job, but it's obvious to folks like us that uh, trying to conceal the identity of your source, uh, trying to entice more information out of your source is pretty standard journalistic behavior. I would assume to Department of Justice lawyers who are skeptical of bringing the publishing charges because of a lot of the stuff you mentioned, would also be skeptical of bringing that sort of stuff into the indictment when just this charges of trying to hack into a computer are sufficient enough... Not hack into a computer, crack uh, a password. Crack a password, excuse me, are sufficient enough to do whatever they wanted to do with Assange. Like, is this a shot across the bow or something? Why, why include this stuff? One thing that's important to remember is this is not a new allegation. It was alluded to during Chelsea Manning's court-martial 
the uh, Obama Justice Department had this information as well and also decided not to pro- not to prosecute. We know they didn't prosecute Assange because they were concerned about the precedent for press freedom. Um, whether or not they considered this particular charge to be a threat to press freedom or just lacking in evidence, um, I, I suspect the latter here, is, is unknown to me. But this is not something that the Trump DOG and their, you know, brilliance just, just stumbled upon. This is something that's been floating around in the ethers for, for some time. And it, it's not clear to me um, how they're going to prove, I mean, we'll have to see how they prove their case. I mean, my understanding is that, um, you know, they don't necessarily even have that much proof that Assange was the person communicating with Manning. Manning was in a chat room with someone named Nathaniel Franks, the opin- using that name, and the opinion of the U.S. government has always been that that person was Julian Assange using a pseudonym. So there, there, there's, there's quite a lot of layers here to prove. Um, I think one thing that's worth thinking about is that under the international extradition law, there's something called the political offenses exception. And you, you can't extradite someone for a political offense. And I'm sure Assange's attorneys are going to fight extradition in in the UK on that standard. But um, I I went back and looked at some law review articles last week, uh, because I have a very boring life. But... um, But, um, you know, you know, but, you know, espionage is usually considered to be covered by the political offense exception. And that makes sense. You know, if you have an extradition treaty with with Germany and we find out Angela Merkel's phone was hacked by the by the NSA, you know, we're not going to extradite those people for espionage. There's plenty of people in Langley and Fort Meade who are sitting around committing espionage. We're not we're not going to extradite them. So that's usually not covered by extradition treaties. Um, so it's, it's possible that that's part of this. I mean, people have argued that this is just a placeholder indictment. That's possible. I'm not terribly convinced about this. Um, another thing to take into account is, you know, if we're going to get really wonky about the rule of international extradition, is something called the rule of specialty or the law of specialty, which is that, you know, once you have someone extradited on a particular charge, you can't add new charges unless they commit like a new crime, um, because that country has to assess um you know, the charge you want to extradite them on and make sure they're okay with it. You can't be like, we're going to, you know, extradite you for jaywalking. And then when you come over, you're like, by the way, it's espionage. <sighs> um, interestingly enough, I uh, had the misfortune of seeing Rachel Maddow's show on, on Friday night in her Boo. opening segment. <laughs> <laughs> Her opening segment was all about the rule of specialty, um, and she was incensed, incensed, or not incensed, but deeply troubled that the Trump Justice Department had charged uh, Assange with this crime because of the rule of specialty meant there was a very limited amount of time now in which they could bring indictments against him in relationship to the Mueller report. And her guest for this segment was a former FBI agent, of course, um, and it was a very bizarre thing to watch. It's like, oh my God, the t- the clock is ticking out on, you know, bringing these Mueller-related charges against Assange for hacking the DNC. And it's like, is this really, really your top concern? Really? Really? Because I I have, like, 25 concerns, you know, that that I think I'll take precedent over that, you know, 
future of press freedom, retaliating against someone who exposes war crimes, the actual contents of the leaks that he gave that shows misconduct. But, you know, he might not be brought to justice for, you know, foiling Hillary Clinton's election. So we better get (laughs) ticking on that. And, and, uh, and the most bizarre thing was she kept repeating throughout her twenty-minute monologue. I'm not an expert on this, so I may be wrong. And but... I said, well, why are you talking about this? And then she goes, and now I have an expert, and she brings on this former FBI agent, and she goes, "Did I explain it right?" And he goes, "You explained it perfectly." And you could see Rachel Maddow like doing like this weird fist pump, going yes to herself, and it clear, clearly, clearly performative. I mean, she clearly had a researcher do this before, but it's like, what on earth am I watching? <laughs> Which is how I feel every time I turn on her show, which is why I don't usually watch it. Well, the, the DNC hack is uh, certainly another issue, but... Uh, well, she's not it, being charged for. Right, she's which, she's not, which she's not being that. charged for. And even then, the contents of the DNC hack uh, were newsworthy, and he could probably plausibly deny that he knew... Uh, where it was coming from, but that that's a whole other issue. On the issue of what uh, Assange is being charged for, it seems very much like the Justice Department wants to bring the uh, the password cracking issue because it it politically it looks bad for Assange. But it looks but, very bad politically but, for Assange, and it also allows them to bring in the 2010 leaks. It's a way for them to prosecute him for the Chelsea Manning leaks, which are about war crimes and similar government misconduct. Uh, of course, without I, without doing the publishing thing. I guess what I was going to say is they could have probably picked any number of other possible crimes, like uh, conspiracy to. Uh, uh, mishandle classified information or, or, or some other thing of that nature or, or a conspiracy to commit computer fraud and abuse or uh, break the CFAA or so, something of that nature. He's being charged under the CFRA. The conspiracy to commit computer intrusion charge is being brought under the CFRA. Right, right. So uh, basically the point is is that the password thing is bullshit and any number of arcane computer crimes could be brought yes. up against any other journalist who has done very similar things uh, at at the core of it as to what WikiLeaks did. WikiLeaks just embarrassed the government on a very large scale. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this specific allegation of, like, actively trying to crack a password is is a little bit unique. I, 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 do, I do concede that point, but I have no idea how strong that case actually is. And, the, and he's not being charged with cracking the password. He's being charged with conspiring to do so. Um, and the elements of the conspiracy and the overt acts that are required to prove conspiracy listed in the indictment include, you know, like basic news gathering. So and, and and this this is a trend that we've seen before um, with the J20 prosecutions, where you have a, a, a conspiracy to commit an offense that is like the underlying crime is, is is a crime, but the elements of the conspiracy that they cite are all First Amendment protected speech, and it's like, well, that's that's a little bit troubling. You obviously uh, mentioned the aspect of this might not clear the first hurdle, the extradition hurdle in the UK, but assuming it does, what are the odds that this gets before 
a federal judge and the federal judge takes one look at this and says, this is just news gathering activities. You've <laughs> got to let him go. Get like Richard no. Leon or something. I think if he gets extradited to the Eastern District of Virginia, and we discussed this on with Manning, um, I, I think he's in a lot of trouble. Right. Um, I, I don't think, given that the final part of the conspiracy is cracking a DOD password, that anyone is going to say cracking a, a password, in the judiciary at least, is news gathering. Um, the fact that elements of the conspiracy, the overt acts, are news gathering, I, I, I don't, I'm not optimistic about the judiciary here. Um, and if he gets tried, I mean, there's there's no way Julian Assange could get a fair trial in the Eastern District of Virginia. I mean, that's like a ludicrous proposition. What does now that we have an indictment against Assange and this process underway, what does it mean for the ongoing imprisonment of Chelsea Manning, if anything? Well, this, is a, this is a fascinating point, because the indictment that was unsealed was dated a year to the day that Chelsea Manning refused to testify before the grand jury. So I have zero reason, what clue, why if they have an actual indictment against Assange, they were harassing Chelsea Manning to begin with. And I can't for the life of me figure out why she's still in prison, since it seems very unlikely they're going to bring new charges against him between now and May 2nd. Um, and if they do, it seems extremely unlikely that Chelsea Manning has any information on them. So I'm very perplexed by the imprisonment of Chelsea Manning. I'm more perplexed now than I was to begin with. I mean, like, she's not cooperating with a grand jury that's ongoing about somebody who was indicted by a grand jury over a year ago. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so it, it seems to me like this is just harassment of her. Um, I'm hoping that the Fourth Circuit at this point will look at this and intervene and say, uh, what's this, and, and throw it out. Um, I'm, I'm very not optimistic about the judiciary in this country at this point after, you know, 30 or 40 years from Reagan onward of it being seated with right-wing judges. But, you know, that's that's where we're at right now. Briefly, do you think the Fourth Circuit uh, could uh, get an appeal I guess this is conjecture, but could could overtake because obviously the EDVA Eastern District of Virginia, as you correctly pointed out, we should have uh, only the utmost despair for. But is there? I would not want to be tried in that district, right, for but, national security related crimes. Maybe like traffic <laughs> crimes, perhaps. But on but the nor uh, would I. Uh, nor, nor would anyone. But on the uh, appellate level, is it possible maybe certain orders uh, could quickly get up to the appellate level and uh, a, a circuit circuit judges I mean, could Manning's step in? Manning's attorney is currently appealing her incarceration for civil contempt to the Fourth Circuit. It's not clear to me how they will rule. I think they're in a much stronger position now that Assange has been indicted because it raises serious questions about what the purpose of that incarceration is. You know, uh, Civil contempt is supposed to be coercive but not punitive, uh, and it's just it, it doesn't strike me as having any actual purpose other than harassing Chelsea Manning. I'd like to think the Fourth Circuit will see through that. Will they or won't they? I'm not going to make a prediction. Well, if they uh, if they have no uh, uh, sympathy for uh, uh, Manning, it's likely they have no sympathy for Assange either. And if the federal judiciary wouldn't give 
in he's probably he's not no uh defense lawyers uh, a vision of an ideal defendant, I guess, if, if one can have that. But if they didn't give Jahar Sarnayev a change of venue and if they tried him in Boston, there I think there's probably little hope of Assange uh, getting a change in venue uh, or Manning for that matter. It, 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 well, I mean, Manning a change of venue isn't, isn't, isn't an option because she's not been charged in a criminal proceeding, she's been charged with civil contempt, right, which right, is right. a civil offense. The grand jury is in the Eastern District. She didn't comply with the grand jury. Therefore, she's facing a, a civil charge. I mean, there's also criminal contempt in addition to civil contempt, but for the time being, we're only talking about a civil offense. And it's really important to distress, stress that, you know, incarceration in relation to a civil contempt charge is not supposed to be punitive. Mm. But it is supposed to be coercive. So, you know, there's that. Right. Chip Gibbons, last time we had you on for our inaugural Chip Chat, a lot of events happened by the time we had you on again. Uh, hopefully by our third Chip Chat, we'll have some, some more answers to talk about, but we probably won't since the extradition hearing is until uh, May 2nd. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll have you on. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Sure. And I, I want to say one more thing about sure. um, the way the media has covered this. I mean, there's been a lot of attention about the fact that the Ecuadorian government has, um, you know, uh, rescinded their asylum agreement to Assange. And you hear about how he was a bad house guest at the Ecuadorian embassy, et cetera, et cetera. But in, in a lot of ways, this is also a story not just about the war and whistleblowers, but on the collapse of the pink tide governments, which really were, you know, Latin American governments that asserted their sovereignty to the U.S. And Raphael Courier was the president who, um, who granted asylum to Julian Assange. He was very much insistent that Ecuador was an independent nation. He refused to allow U.S. military bases in his country. When the U.S. asked for military bases in Ecuador, he told them, you know, can I have military bases in in Florida. So, you know, Ecuador under him was more of a sovereign country than the United Kingdom is, for that matter. Um, and, and the current president has been very subservient to the U.S. He mysteriously got a very large IMF loan after this. And for all of the talk about the Ecuadorian government going getting sick of Assange, I mean, if you look at Rafael Correa's Twitter, um, he is pulling no punches with the current president. He's called him a traitor to the country. He said he will work for him to be imprisoned. So, I mean, this is, this is, this is a story about um, U.S. attacks on the sovereignty of Latin American countries and the collapse of, of the pink tide. And for all the brouhaha in, in Britain about sovereignty in, in the face of Brexit, I mean, they've been extremely subservient to the U.S., since they lost their empire. I mean, they went around along with Clinton's illegal bombings of Iraq. They participated in George W. Bush's illegal, you know, invasion of Iraq. They have U.S. troops on their soil, um, you know, things Ecuador would not have tolerated at, under Corrier. So this is, this is really a, a tragedy in the sense that it's also a reestablishment of neocolonial relations between the U.S. and Latin America. And, you know, no one in the U.S. media wants to talk about that, hmm. period. And to but add, I do, but and, I want to talk about that. Well, thank you very much, Chip, for talking about it on our show. Yep, Chip is the Policy and Legislative Counsel at Defending Rights and Dissent. 
You can read a lot of his stuff over at Jacobin Mag, The Nation, and Truth Out, and uh, other places. And you can Washington hear him in Washington Post, oh, of course. And you can uh, you can hear him on our show every now and then for Chip and Chat, Chip Chat, Fuck. <laughs> Chip Chat, Chip and Chat, Chip and Chat. Yes. Thanks, uh, I bring the chip. You bring the chat. <laughs> Thanks, Chip. Uh, thank you for having me. I look forward to being back on. Thank you. That'll do it for District Sentinel Radio today. Thank you to our sponsors, the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, the Middle East Report. Find it at merip.org. For longer newscasts, Monday through Thursday, subscribe over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. We're back tomorrow. We're here in D.C. so that you don't have to be.